0: Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue Kingdom of God justice. Well, um, as I get started this morning, you know, most of you, if you've been around, you know, a little bit, you probably have some idea of what to expect, you know. I'll talk for like 25 minutes about the Bible. We'll have worship. Um, we'll do prayer ministers. I kind of think it's like the most important you really get to grab onto, di- like digest spiritually the, the message. You'll say hi to some folks. we got popsicles afterwards because, you know, obvious reasons, you know. You got an idea of what to expect. The folks who heard one of Jesus' first recorded sermons, they also had an idea of what to expect. They'd been around synagogue a little bit. So when Jesus stood up in his hometown of Nazareth, and he read, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released." that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come rolls up the scroll sits down says guess what guys this has all just happened this has been fulfilled here and now everyone's like wow, this is great teaching, but, you know, isn't this Marion and Joseph's son? You know, I like it, but I saw him in diapers. Then he goes on in Luke 4, you know, he's like, well, you know, I'm not surprised that I'm not getting all these accolades since it is uh, my hometown crowd. And he says, certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when there was a famine for three and a half years. But Elijah didn't go to the the needy widows in israel our own people he was sent to a foreigner the widow of zarephath in the land of sidon and they were many people with leprosy uh, in the time of elijah elisha but he didn't heal any of them he healed naaman the syrian when they heard this the people in the synagogue were furious jumping up They mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Guys, by that metric, our church is very boring. You know, Jesus says, I'm here, the kingdom of God has come. I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor recovery of sight, to the blind, freedom for the captives. It's happening here and now in me. Like when God moves, there are constant, there's an impact. And he goes on and guess what, guys? It's for everyone the, the foreigner, the Syrian. And then they try to kill him. He ruins his first sermon by by taking on xenophobic culture. I mean, he just, he ruins it, guys. When the gospel is preached in all of its transformative power and all its, like, consequences, uh, uh, people do not just feel like, oh, me and Jesus, this is so special and nice. They are hopping mad, they, 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 they are offended to the point of, of murder. It's divisive, uh, uncomfortable, controversial. And guys, this should be highly relatable to us. You know, we read this story and, you know, we, we, we do not think that we would try to kill Jesus. I'm sure you've heard some sermons here that you do not agree with, maybe rightly or wrong with, you know, some things were said that, you know, I presume that you have never had the impulse to storm the platform, to push the preacher into South Street for a Mack truck to take care of. Am I correct in this presumption? Okay. Whew. And you know, it was a more like kind of visceral violent time back there in some ways but you know you would not have been holding off the stampede i would not have stood up and been like oh you know let's consider his point about preferring you know a foreigner for our own star starving folks there's no hero in this story except jesus everyone else is angry offended bitter jesus is clear jesus is love jesus is righteousness and justice for all but jesus doesn't just leave it there he's not like well i tried to bring the kingdom of god but you guys were just too angry for me to do anything Jesus gives us a way of heart transformation uh, that allows us to work with him in seeing our world change and seeing the gospel come to have its full effect. In the world, so today I don't actually want to look at Jesus's first sermon, um, but I actually want to look at what many consider his most famous sermon. His first sermon uh, announces, introduces what the kingdom of God is, what what God's gonna do. Uh, his most famous sermon um, talks about the people of the kingdom of God, what we're like, what Jesus helps to make us like when He brings the fullness of what He wants to do that's what we want today we want to be people of the kingdom of god who cooperate with what the holy spirit is doing to its full extent in our persons and beyond into uh, our community and into the world so guys this morning we get to read the sermon on the mount so let's pray together and then we'll dig into that scripture Well, Jesus, this morning we do thank you that there is really no hero except you. We all come in with our own stuff. This morning we release that, and we really want you to be the hero of this community, the hero of all, all any work we do, Jesus. Jesus, would you minister grace to our hearts today? we're all just in need of your love and your help and your transformation Lord god and we say this morning that we want to follow you we want to follow you all the way would you speak to our hearts in scripture jesus we're not reading just ordinary words or or good advice we're reading your words we're thankful for that thankful that we have a measuring line outside of ourselves We give you our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay so uh jesus went up onto the mountainside this is matthew 5 if you want to read along as he goes up onto the mountainside we're reminded of like moses going up on mount sinai when he went to to give the revelation of god except that on mount sinai was god talking to a man who talked to the people this is god made man speaking on his own authority The disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And these are called the Beatitudes, uh, beat meaning to to bless, benediction. And it's using a uh, standard kind of formula in Jewish teaching of if, then. Blessed is the person who. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of God is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. They get to see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you and people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers, Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember that ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. This ain't nothing new. Verse 21 You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Good rule. We're in favor of that. But I say, If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in the danger of fires of hell. Yikes. You know, I'm glad that this is Jesus telling us this, because he's not a hypocrite about it. Jesus is the only one who can say this and, like, really, you know, mean it. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave church, guys. Just go. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Friends, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Uh, Jesus frames this. He starts uh, the Beatitudes the verse 3. God blesses those, you know, For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then ends it. God blesses those. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's the beginning and the end. The uh, bookmarks. The kingdom of heaven is yours. This is teaching for people who are all in. To the kingdom of heaven. When we are following Jesus, doing things Jesus' way, empowered by him, these are characteristics of Jesus. This this list should remind us of him. Humility, justice, mercy. When we're living life Jesus' way, when we're experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, this is what we act like. You know, as I read and kind of meditate on uh, uh, the Beatitudes, you know, I think they're they're so different, right? They are so different. You don't wake up in the morning with a little post-it note on your mirror saying like, be humble today, be mournful today. But I think they're ways of unlearning the ways of the world so that we can learn the ways of the kingdom of God. It's a deep like kind of visceral unlearning. So I think about as we start, you know, what do we need to unlearn? What do we need to unlearn so we can fully be part of the kingdom of God? As, as Jesus said, bringing, you know, his kingdom where the oppressed are set free, you know, that's good news for the poor. What do we really need to get get out of? You know, I was uh, talking to a friend who works for a, a large um National parachurch ministry, and um, she works in housing equity, so working with with folks who have had you know been marginalized and really had trouble getting uh, quality affordable uh, housing, and um, you know leading a large Christian justice ministry, you know it's like you know so what do you think you know for for the church you know are, is like some of the biggest you know ba- barriers you know is it funding is it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, without skipping a beat she's like division and polarization and I think it's true the first thing we need to unlearn is, is division um, you know most of us when we are faced with division in our life you know why we think we're divided because I'm right and you're wrong that's why it's just because I'm so right and you're so wrong some people have actually researched this, like seriously researched this, like smart people, um, and uh, they say, you know, our country is divided not because we're the only country with news media or, or partisan media or deep cultural or religious or traditional d- divides within, within society. Lots of other countries have that. Um, the reason we're so divided is part of our, our two-party system has lumped all these very legitimate issues together into one camp versus another. And it creates a much bigger divide than there actually is because everything's lumped together. You know, I was, um, I was talking to a friend, another mom, and um, she's got an 11-year-old, and she was saying that um, her, one of her, her kids just stopped being friends with one of his other little friends because of politics and we we saw this like honestly in like 10-year-olds arguing over Biden versus Trump like there's a long time before you get to voting age um and um but we're seeing cancel culture and you know 11-year-olds fighting over uh, abortion like you cannot understand this particular 11-year-old you cannot understand the complexities of this issue uh, at 11 but we're seeing this division and divisiveness younger and younger, um, and they learn it from somewhere, um, my guess is uh, uh, it's parents, but um, you know, Andy Crouch, a uh, uh, author and writer I really like, I was listening to one of his podcasts, and he said that with, um, excuse me, with COVID and stuff, there have been some people who he has not been able to see in person, recently. Um, but he has been able to see a certain part of their persona on social media. And uh he thinks he's thinking very specifically, telling this story very specifically of one friend. Hasn't seen him for a year and a half, but is seen his Facebook feed and he looks at it. Mmm, don't agree with that post. Mmm, another post I don't agree with. Mmm, this is uh and he starts to write off this friend in his mind. Mm, I'm sure we wouldn't be good friends. Well, it's been a year and a half, like They're going on badger. I don't know why they're being influenced to this direction or or this direction. And then he actually saw him, took a nice walk together with him, and discovered, oh, wait, in real life, in person, I actually think he's quite a good guy. Gave a little bit of context to some of the things they might have differences over. Has anyone else here had that experience? No, no, had... Yep, yep. Because our social media is not all of who we are. It is one corner of our being. It is one unique, like, you know, edge of, of who we are. Uh, it's, it's either our really opinionated corner, or it's our shiny self-promoting part, or it's our, you know, really embattled, fearful corner, But it's not all of who we are. And Jesus wants us to unlearn some of the deep divisions. If we follow the way of Jesus, that's going to have to break. I think the second thing is um, defensiveness. You know, none of us like to be told we are wrong, it's a little uncomfortable. Uh, I'm reading Martin Luther King Jr.'s um, "Where Do We Go From Here." Um, he wrote it after uh, after he had had like the March on Washington, and he gave his Big Dream speech. He'd seen done a lot, seen a lot, and he's wondering where are we going to go. And he's grappling with honestly like the exact same issue. It's like kind of crazy to read a book written so long ago that uh, seems so familiar. Where do we go from here? Community or chaos? Um, and I think that's very accurate of our own times where do we go from here community or chaos and division if we make the choice to start to listen rather than speak to see rather than to look away we will choose community over chaos where do we go from here you know as a as a movement to and segregation as a movement back in their day that's for each one of us to answer this day you know, if we're to be people of the kingdom, we must be able to listen, to learn, to change, and to repent. You know, someone told me that uh, if someone comes to you with, you know, a, a problem, something you could have done better, a mistake, um, that your response should be just like if someone told you you had spinach in your teeth. Most of us, if a friend's like, hey, you got a little bit of lunch left over, we're not like, how dare you? I'm deeply uh, offended. We're like, oh my goodness, thank you for telling me. And that's what we want our response to be. Thank you for telling me. But it's hard because, you know, we get offended. Everyone here gets offended. I think at least on a weekly basis. Um, you know, last week, uh, two weeks ago, I was meeting up with someone, um, in, in Medway and, uh, we were not super close together, but you know, around rush hour, the traffic's a, a little whatever. So I said, Hey, would you like to carpool? And this person was like, Oh, no, 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 that will not, not be necessary. And I thought, that's fine, you know. I, I like to have my own car, but like the speed and, and like the amount, which is like, oh no, I would never share a car with you. I'm not sure I was offended, but I was curious. It's like, I mean, it's one of your like, you know, as everything. I was curious. Uh, my uh, brother-in-law. Two, two, three days ago, he uh, sits my nephews down. My nephews are, are 10 and 8. He's like, sons, it's been real hot. and it's, They're in a second-floor apartment. And when I visited them last summer, they had one window unit. I think they're up to two windows units. But, boys, it's been real hot. And you smell. So from here on out, you're taking two showers a day and three if you play sports my nephew's like what no 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 it was uh he almost had a riot on his hands um anyways it's easy to get offended um john bevere wrote a book called uh the bait of satan about offense it's very apt the bait of satan about offense because you know what we swim around and we just gobble up those wiggly little worms. And they are the bait of Satan. Uh, the, he said that when offense is allowed to grow, fester, put down roots. You know, when we replay something small or little over uh, uh, again, it separates us from God. You know, the Bible says that God will not hear our prayers like that. That's a serious problem. He says that we overcome offense through realistic expectations of ourselves, first and foremost, and of other people. You know, we want to make the same excuses for other people that we make for ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but when I mess up, I've got lots of excuses for myself. We want to make lots of excuses for other people like we do for ourselves. We overcome offense through forgiveness it feels so good feels so good to just let go of that hook through humility and here's my here's my pro tip uh, if you're struggling to, to forgive someone just think about all the things that you've done wrong and then I'm like a little bit horrified and embarrassed I'm like oh no you're good you're good nothing to worry about I forgive you we're fine because I've remembered my own stuff But we all have things to unlearn. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're prideful. He says, I want to bless you with humility. And Jesus wants to bless us with this today. He says, you are blessed if you really want justice justice is the way god wants things to be and we are blessed when we really want justice as jesus said in his first sermon you know jesus is clear there's not a version of his ministry where he is okay with you know the the poor not being included there's not a version of his ministry where, where he's, you know, okay with that. So corporately, you know, we, we care for the poor individually. You know, there's not a version of his ministry where he's okay with, with people being imprisoned. Looking at the large, large numbers in prison in our country, our society appears to be okay with it. Jesus says right at the beginning he's not okay with it. And as followers of Jesus, we can't be be either Jesus says that in his in the kingdom of God he gives sight to the blind, both you know, spiritual sight to open our hearts and physical sight to actually heal us. Sometimes we think that like physical healing is like a big like cherry on, on top, icing on like, wow, this will be something extra special spiritual. No, it's a part of what Jesus came to do, and that's why we can't have justice without Jesus. Jesus is clear that there's not a version of his ministry where he is OK with folks being oppressed or, or, or crushed, whether that's, you know, along racial lines as it has been for the vast majority of this country's history, economic lines. You you get opportunities, the more money you have to good schools, whether it's on gender lines. Jesus wants the best for all his kids. And we are blessed if we also really, really want it. We will be blessed if we mourn. We'll be blessed if we mourn. Because mourning means we care. To mourn is to be saddened by the state of this world. To to mourn is just to like it's a, it's a no against your own sin. It's a it's a no against the sin of the world. Mourning, mourning allows us to process some of the the violence and injustice and trauma of this world without getting like caught up in it. I think this is like so uh, important because you know reading news stories all, all the time about the war in the Ukraine will not make you more peaceful. Reading, you know, all reports about you know getting deep into about, you know, the Uvalde shooting will not make you more, you know, peace filled or our communities more and more peaceful. Mourning allows us to process the trauma and injustice of the world without getting swept into it. So we are blessed when we mourn. We are blessed when, you know, we really just mourn mass shootings because, you know, it starts to help us loosen the, you know, an assumption that like, well, this is the way the, the world is now or this happens now. You know, it, it, it loosens. Some of these things become less compelling and more intolerable because we're not okay with the way the world is. Mourning means we care. Um, the authors of um, the book Reconciling All Things say that reconciling, which is fixing, restoring, bringing back together, that's what's broken. Reconciliation must begin with mourning or lament because we need to unlearn our attempts to have you know, quick solutions, to distance ourselves from pain, to deny our own guilt so that we can learn the opposites, which are deep change, real solidarity, and collective responsibility. So friends, today I want us actually to uh, take a moment to grab on to some of Jesus's blessings for us today, Um, and I want to grab on to this blessing to to mourn a little bit together. As Jesus' first sermon started with a declaration of what he wants to do in the world, we want to mourn the ways that that has yet to come. So worship team, if you guys want to start to come on up. Um, So I want to give us a minute to do what Jesus tells us we are blessed if we do. To be saddened by the things that sadden Jesus. To mourn and lament because we know that we will be comforted and God will see his way come to pass. So um, if you want to pull up the next slide, um, I just invite you to get comfortable, close your eyes, and just take a minute with Jesus. Jesus, first, we mourn the violence and death and war around us. Jesus, we know it is not the way that you would have things be. Yours is a kingdom of peace. And we let our hearts be touched and saddened, never hardened by the violence around us. And then... Jesus, we mourn for the oppressed, any in prison, those without hope. Just let your heart stand in solidarity with friends and family who are suffering. With the marginalized, the oppressed. And Jesus, we mourn the ways in which our hearts are hard to tragedy and hurt. Jesus, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? We mourn our pride, lack of mercy, divisiveness. Just think about people you disagree with. Maybe pray for them. Wait until you feel feelings of kindness and love towards opposites. Would we consider others better than ourselves? Would we be quick to admit our own flaws and faults first? And Jesus, this morning, we do hold on, that we are blessed when we mourn, for we will be comforted. We are blessed when we are hungry and thirsty for justice, for we will be satisfied. Amen. Amen. And friends, just, yeah, uh, I won't keep you up here for too long. We'll move into worship real quick. One last thing. Jesus says you will be blessed if you are poor in spirit. You know, all of these blessings, they point us to Jesus. They're characteristics of Jesus. Jesus makes it able for us to do such, you know, strange things. They point us to Jesus. Jesus came to earth in like super humble, ordinary circumstances, ordinary job, nothing to prove except his love for us. He was empty, he was poor in spirit, he was humble. And we're blessed when we empty ourselves out. You know, um, I would pour some of this nice cold water into this cup that's got the remains of my coffee in it. If it was empty, I could pour into it. And if we're empty, Jesus can pour into us. So let's stand today. I believe that Jesus does want to pour into us. He has us here for a reason. It's not to lecture at us. It's to love us deeply. So Jesus, we say yes to your work in us. Would you make us people of these blessings? We hold on to your blessings, Jesus, not to the ones we can get or craft or buy or create. We empty ourselves to receive your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.